Hey, what's up to the point listeners? I have some exciting news. I'm going to be podcasting live at the Service Rocket Growth Summit in Vegas in October, and I'm going to be interviewing, I think it's the beginning of day two, interviewing live with you, if you're in the audience, as my co-host, Louis Bruno, Victor Rancor, Ishmael Valdez, and Anthony Pereira. Yes, you can heckle them from the audience. It's completely okay, but I'm excited. If you haven't got your ticket yet, you got to get it right now. You can go to servicerocketnetwork.com. That's servicerocketnetwork.com and get your ticket. It's going to be a banger of an event, Joe Montana. Uh, you got Run DMC, a lot of awesome people there. So get your ticket today and enjoy this next episode with my man, Mr. Roy H. Williams, the wizard of ads. This is To The Point. A Rhino Experience, voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts, cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. So I do want to, so let me get into a couple of things because I actually, I can't remember if, if I had this conversation with you because anytime you sit with Roy and listen to him, like if you, as you recognize him from this podcast, like I take, I've taken a ton of notes and I can't even keep up with all the things that he's, he's sharing at the same time. So I got to take notes. So I can remember to go back and reference it. But I remember, I can't remember if this was when I was there or I heard you talking about this or somebody telling me that you talked about this. I can't remember what it was, but we talk about, you talk about uh, brandable chunks. Um, and I believe it was a narrative a narrative and a character arc that's involved in the brandable chunks, but I don't expect our listeners to know what the hell I'm talking about now, but I know Roy does. So Roy, can you explain maybe just to our listeners um, what brandable chunks are? Okay. Now brandable chunks is a radically different thing from narrative arc and character arc. Okay. Because you were taking notes and I didn't have time to separate those things for you. First, let me say that whenever they have the Academy Awards, and they're naming the movie of the year and you know best actor and all this kind of stuff. And the Pulitzer Prizes in literature and the Nobel Prizes in literature, okay? Every story that's worth hearing, any story that has a value of any kind, has what's called a narrative arc. Now think arc like rainbow, right? It's an arc. Now, the narrative arc is the sequence of events. It is the plot. And so when you're doing branding, and I don't like to even to use the word branding, I prefer to use the word customer bonding. When you're doing customer bonding in mass media, you're winning the hearts of the people. And Chris, most important thing I'll say during this time together today, if you win the heart, the mind will follow. The mind will always create logic to justify what the heart has already decided. Oh, that's good. When if you win the heart, the mind will follow. And so all you're trying to do with a customer bonding campaign in mass media is win the heart. Now, you have to have a narrative arc, which is a plot or a sequence of events. Now, every summer, we have what's called the movies of summer and like Die Hard and stuff like that. They never win movie of the year, but it's all action, no character arc. It is all narrative arc, no character arc. So narrative arc is actions, activity, sequence of events. But at the beginning of an action movie with Sylvester Stallone or Bruce Willis or whoever, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, it doesn't matter, um, Clint Eastwood, for gosh sakes. The character at the end of the movie is the same character they were at the beginning of the movie. Okay, There's no character arc. Character arc is what you get in Lord of the Rings, 
and it's what you get even Game of Thrones, is the characters are totally different. They have evolved right. and they've changed during the course of the sequence of episodes of the show. And, and as time goes by, you're seeing these characters evolve and change and develop, and you get involved with those characters. So character arc is what always wins movie of the year. It always wins the Pulitzer Prize for literature. It always wins the Nobel Prize in literature. You win awards for character arc. And so great campaigns, you fall in love with a character or two or three or five friends, Seinfeld, any sitcom or any dramedy you've ever watched in your life, you get engaged with the characters, you like the characters, you relate to the characters, you understand those characters, you feel like you know those characters, and first, they're imaginary. <laughs> now, the point is, character arc and narrative arc, a good ad campaign has a narrative arc and a character arc, and it's like, a, 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 it's like episodes in a TV show. That's what these ads are. It's like episodes in a TV show. Now, brandable chunks, which was your question, brandable chunks are signature phrases, okay? Now, we, you talked about Ken. We both adore Ken Goodrich. And every time I came up with a brandable chunk for Ken, he would get a registered trademark on it. So do not write these down because I cannot, you cannot use them. I promise you'll wind up in federal court. So, don't, so um, um, we do things the right way, not the easy way. Right. The right way, not the easy way is a registered trademark of ghetto air conditioning. It's a brandable chunk. When you hear that phrase, you know it's ghetto because only ghetto uses that phrase. We do things the right way, not the easy way. That's a brandable chunk. A brandable chunk is a phrase or even like a two-word combination, and sometimes it's one word. And you instantly associate this company with that phrase. Think of it as a, an auditory logo. Now, really brilliant ad campaigns will have six or seven brandable chunks. And one. And it's just like people in your realm of association. Your realm of association, as I said, the 250 people early in your life are a different 250 people to, in some degree. It's like maybe there's 100 of the original ones there or 50 of the original ones there at the end of your life. Right. But for the most part, they evolve and change slowly as time goes by. So do the brandable chunks. After a period of years, a brandable chunk can drop away and be replaced with a new brandable chunk. But these are phrases. These are, are word combinations that nobody uses but you and everybody associates them with your company. And if you look at any powerful brand, you will instantly remember. You know, you know what car it is that's the ultimate driving machine? Do I know what the ultimate driving machine is? BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Okay. And so my client could not, would not, did not commit these crimes. You know who that was? Johnny Cochran. And everybody remembers Johnny Cochran. If you're old enough to remember the the um if the glove don't fit, Simpson thing, you, must you know, have quit. I would not, did not commit these crimes, would not, could not, did not commit these crimes. If it doesn't fit, you must quit. Those are brandable <laughs> chunks. Brandable chunks are musical and they get stuck in the mind of the listener in what's called the echoic, it's echoic memory. It's, it's technically, if you want to Google this, it's called the articulatory loop. The articulatory loop, sometimes called the phonological loop, is one of the three functions of working memory, which is the scientific word for consciousness or awareness, okay? And so working memory is consciousness or awareness, according to the cognitive neuroscientists. And uh, the phonological loop is the rehearsal of sound in the mind. And if you understand how that works, you understand how to create a brandable chunk 
so that it becomes what's called involuntary automatic recall. Chris, involuntary automatic recall is what we're trying to establish. There are known scientific rules for doing that. This is what I teach all of my Wizard of Edge partners. There's 70 of us now, and we spend enormous amounts of time understanding how the cognitive neuroscientists of the world, under the medical community, they know how this works, but they don't teach it in marketing school. There's not a college in the world that teaches this, Chris, which is why we built a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization called Wizard Academy in Austin, Texas, because when business owners understand these things, it takes about three days of like nine hour days to for, teach people this stuff. So if they really understand that they do some exercises, they demonstrate they understand it, then they go home. And the reason we built the whole thing for cash is you send enough people home and they do what they learned and it works so well that whenever you want to build a building, people come running forward saying, man, let me help with that. And they throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at you because they want to keep that school alive. So when you were here, I didn't build that with my money. The people who left classes here donated that money and everything was built for cash. We never borrowed a dollar. Incredible. And it's a many tens of millions of dollars campus. Incredible. Yeah, it's huge. It's awesome. I mean, I, I think that that says a lot in, in itself, right? The fact that that's what, you know, when people leave and they're willing to continue. Well, what I'm saying is everybody leaves, they go home. And if they were paying attention, they can do it. You know, they can't do it as well as somebody that's done it for a long time and has a lot of experience, but they can do it better than their competitors can do it. In other words, you know, um, when you're doing the right thing, no matter how badly you're doing it, it still beats all the other people who don't even know what the right thing is. That's true. You don't have to worry about doing it perfectly. Just do the right thing badly. It's still the right thing. <laughs> and consistently. <you> know? <laughs> yeah, Inconsistently, hag haggard splashes of beauty. <laughs> I heard you say repetition is essential. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that um, one thing I heard you say, too, is good advertising is not about your service product or you. It's about the customer. Like, uh, did I, I, yeah. think, did I hear that right? Yeah, you know, I mean, here's how I usually say it, Chris, because I love saying this. I say, listen, bad advertising is about you, your product, your service. If you really think that you need to talk about you and your company, your product, your service, here's a quarter. Find an old pay phone. Call your mom. She cares. <laughs> right? Now, here's the deal. Good advertising is about the customer and how your product or service will alter the daily experience in the life of your customer. Everybody that sells anything, Chris, with no exceptions whatsoever, you and I are included in this. Anybody that sells anything has only one objective. We're all in the same business. Make someone happy. If you make someone happy, they give you money and they say good things about you. Everybody, no matter what your product or service is, you're in the business of making someone happy. Now, who are you going to make happy and how are you going to make them happy? Because if you make people happy, life is good. If you fail to make people happy, you're not going to last. Right. The end. So when you get that through your head and then you say, now, how do I become the person they think of first and feel the best about whenever they finally need what it is I do? Okay, you need to a way of reaching them, gaining their attention and holding that attention. Gaining attention is not that hard. Holding attention is called customer engagement. 
If you have engagement, you hold their attention. Now, this last thing, Chris, people talk about attention span. Attention span is a myth. There's no such thing as attention span. You can easily prove that. Do you know how it is? Nope. I'm Anybody who says they don't listen to ads and blah, 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 attention span and blah, blah, blah. That same person will go home and binge watch nine hours of a movie series or TV show, just sit there. And you know what? Elmore Leonard said it best. Elmore Leonard wrote the TV series Justified. He wrote like 30-something best-selling books. And they asked him one time before he died, they said, Elmore, what's the secret of all these bestsellers, one after the other? He says, well, the secret is leave out the parts that people skip. And that's the key to writing a good ad. Leave out the parts that people skip. And you, they, will, they will continue to listen as long as you keep talking if you just leave out the dull and boring stuff. You know what's dull and boring? The stuff that's about you, your company, your product and service, your fast, fair, and friendly service, and how long you've been in business. That is the part people skip. People hate ads, but people love stories. SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, and people want to feel, you know, we, we, we want them to feel good, right? Because we are trying to make them happy. That's what you said. And it's something I've, you know, I think that I was, I got, I was at Jimmy Hiller's place who over in, um, in Nashville a few weeks ago, and I was just talking to a small little intimate group of contractors that they had invited in and asked me to come and speak to them. And I was talking about, um, how we're all trying to, you know, we're all creating some sort of emotion in somebody, whether it's good or bad. Um, and that I'm a big believer in giving your business a personality and because it's something that you can immediately differentiate yourself from the normal shit that everybody's doing. And that is HV, you're doing the same thing. You're offered the same service with like the most ground floor level. What sets you apart from your competitors? Like, is it, you know, if you have a brand, your brand started this process. They've heard it enough times and they've created some sort of a feeling and a, a trust in it. Like we kind of, you talked about with the consistency and all these things, like at least you're creating some sort of emotion, but the feelings piece of it to me is where like we had to be psychologists. You've, you've done this a long time and studied a lot of this data and information over the years. And you, you have a, like you've, you've got a school, you can put on a clinic literally on how to create that sort of emotion and that action by utilizing brand ad strategies, things like that. I have to think about it from my perspective on, well, once I get them into the site, I need to make sure when they, before they even ask that contractor a question or anybody a question that I can answer what the objection is going to be in the website, that I can make them feel good and I can make it easy for them to contact the contractor. I've all had to like be in this psychology game for, I mean, it's only 15 years for me. I've been in this space, but that's the, the battle I feel like I've constantly got is, how can I get them in? That's one thing. How do I get them to convert? That's another. This is where like our little relationship here works out so well, because if I can overcome the objections, they feel good about the brand. They've heard it over and over again. Um, and I can get them in, you know, I can get uh, high conversion rates. It's a well-oiled machine. It works really, really well. It's just that most, and I would say, and again, Chris, what you said about well-oiled machine, I just want to interject something. Yeah. 
because everything you're describing, we refer to as removing the friction in the sales process. A sales process, when it comes to a point of friction, that's where it slows down. And you can actually track it online. You can say they got to this page, then they bailed out. And you say, we need to fix that page. So what happens is when you remove the friction, it is this effortless, friction-free, seamless, just slippery slope. There's never a big moment of decision. It just seems like this is the right thing to do. And there's never, and so identifying the points of friction and removing them is what you were talking about just now. And then you use the term well-oiled machine. (laughs) Bingo. Well, and that's just it. Like we're trying to take them through as many happy faces through the process as we possibly can. I mean, to get, you know, yeah. to get, to get to the end of the road. So uh, I, you know, I got to ask, you know, just, I think we're about about an hour and 10 minutes or so into this podcast. So I thank you for, cause I went over and it's totally my fault. So I appreciate you giving me extra time, Roy, but, um, you've been in, you've been at this a long time. You've got a, uh, a beautiful place there. I mean, you've, you know, you've been married since you were a teenager. <laughs> I mean, you said four decades. You've seen a lot of places. You've been a lot of places. You've had a lot of really great success. You've helped a lot of really great businesses. I mean, you've done a lot of, of really great things, and it's and that to me is an inspiring story because that's what I'm about. Is what else can I do to make a bigger impact? This is just a tool that I've got to do it with. But I gotta know, like, what's like, what do you what what's next for you? Just keep doing the same thing? Like, I don't. What is the motivation today for you? Like. Where are you at with all this? I mean, is there a time when you just pass the buck and say, all right, just going to kind of ride this thing out? Like, where are you at with all this? Okay. So yesterday we had lunch with the fellow that I turned the school over to um, six years ago. His name is Daniel Whittington. And um, he's absolutely amazing. He's done an unbelievable job. He did a better job than me as chancellor of the school. And so um, we're always in the process of turning over things to the next generation of leadership, okay? okay. And so um, there are key people to whom we are now turning over all kinds of leadership. Um, the, the Wizard of Edge partners are the, the 70 people I told you about, men and women. Right. And my younger son, Jacob, manages the Wizard of Edge partners now for about four years. And what's crazy is... It took me 16 years. It's kind of like the Brian Scudamore story. It took me 16 years to get these partners together, to get them trained, and they're bringing in money, you know, and things are okay. My younger son steps in, and like within four years, we're up like 5X in top-line volume. I mean, he just exploded that Atta thing. Boy, He's way more of a people person. He's way more of a manager. So every time I in- create something, and then I turn it over to the next generation of leadership, they just skyrocket that thing, and they take off. But the key, Chris, and this is for anybody else who's at my stage of life, right? You have to um, be emotionally prepared to walk away and trust that next generation and not look over their shoulder. Not look over their shoulder, nitpick, criticize, advise. Every time we've turned something over to somebody, there's an apprenticeship to where we train, train, train a couple of years. And then when I walk away, the agreement is you have to ask me. You have to come to me and ask me before you will ever hear my opinion. I'm never, ever going to give you any advice again, ever, if you don't ask for it. And it's interesting because they don't ask for it, and they're just doing magnificently, amazingly well. And so figuring out stuff to start and who to turn it over to, um, you know, I mentioned earlier Ryan, uh, one of my partners, yep. and he's at wizardofads.org. 
And so the people that I have sought out, you can't buy your way into partnership. I have to notice you, observe you for a period of years, see genius in you. Okay, now you're way too big for me to invite you as a partner because you give up a little taste to me. You, you got no reason. You don't need my help. But I look for people like you before you were famous and successful. You look for people with that magic, that, 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 that spark of magic and that genius in them. And you believe in them. You train them. You give them a little bit of a platform. You, 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 you endorse them. And then they live up to that. Well, that's what you're going to be doing when you're my age. You're already starting to do it, Chris. And so the answer to your question is you begin to empower the next generation of people. And Chris, it is a self-selected group. It's not like you go out and choose them. They just appear in your, the windshield of your life and they stay there. And you just keep noticing these people. And after a while you say, I need to establish a relationship here because this person has come into my life and I think they are remarkable and I'm going to invest in them and see where it goes. And that's fun. That is yeah. fun. That's what we're doing. And doubtless it's what you will do in the very near future. Man, I see that's what it, this journey is the fun part for me. I was just having this conversation with um, someone I was interviewing right before this about enjoying the journey and like the different phases of this journey I've been on. I'm not, I'm like, it, it never like gets easier. I don't know how to explain this the right way. It, there's always these hard parts that, that I hit, like you hit these, you know, different sizes or different staffing sizes and all these different things. But it, in a way, it does get easier once you get a little bit bigger because you got more people that you've relied upon, that you trust, that you've delegated things to that can, that you're not just trying to solve these things with you, one or two or three people. So I'm starting to understand more about how to make the things, you know, work. And, but the journey is still the most fun part. Like I'm and really enjoying myself in this process and just the things I learned. I mean, this podcast alone has been, it's like my ongoing weekly education that I get to have, which is awesome. And I get to have a lot of really, I've got to meet a lot of really great people and I've got a lot of great relationships. I was able to bring on here to share and all the companies, all the companies you've been able to help. And that's Look it. At the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, literally the hundreds of people that you help directly every month. And then think of the tens of thousands of people you've helped that have never told you their name. They never told you they were out there, but they listen, they learn, they do what they, they do what you taught them and they make a lot of money. Okay. The only difference between you and me is you don't have a physical place for them to come yeah. and give money to help you build buildings. Okay. <laughs> I don't so have that. That's the only difference between no, me and man. But I need to figure that one out. I'm about to consult you on that one because that seems like a brilliant no, idea. No, no, no. My <laughs> wife did it. You just need to ask your wife if she has any land that she'd like to purchase and then, you know, just <laughs> And my wife didn't even ask. She just went and found it and bought it and then told me, hey, now we own some land. I'm going to design some buildings. You need to raise the money to pay for it. She did it's not good. exactly how it happened, but it kind of is. She did good. I think she did all right. She figured it out. She was amazing. I'm saying she is, she is absolutely genius. People walk around here and she goes, how did all this happen? I'm going, I get credit for all this. It was actually my wife. I had the idea, bought the land, figured out what she was going to build, and the money just came in. I would say, hey, do you want to help us with this? People, go, yeah, here's a quarter million dollars. And I'm going, oh, great. Well, maybe put your name on something. You know, <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's fun. Well, I, I mean, you basically just kind of even when you're talking about what you know the, the pe people that I'm impacting. Um, you know what's weird about this whole thing is I, I that is my main. I love to be able to give and hope that 
they take it and run with it and they impact their business and their livelihoods and their families and all those things. Like that is the feel good part for me. But what's weird about it is I have a really difficult time receiving like the gratitude from it, even though I want it. Like I, I love hearing it um, almost makes me feel awkward, but, but it, at least it allows me to, you know, affirms that, that I'm doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And that is can, like, yes, I have this company. Yes. We're building businesses, but it's not even so much about that as it is the purpose, the impact behind all of it, of doing it. And, and this is another listen, tool that. Listen, listen, I, I can, I, I live that same thing. It, when people start praising you a little bit too much to your face, it creeps you out. You just want to get away. <laughs> and so I've dealt with that for a lot of years. I was laughing at you when you were talking about that. Cause I'm dude, I, I mean, I know, I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, you've been at it a little yes. longer than me too. And you've, well, no, 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 here's the deal. My wife finally taught me when people are saying stuff that's just creeping me out. Cause we were talking about how much he appreciated and how much it meant to him and all. And just makes you feel like, man, I don't know what to do with this. You know, you don't feel like you deserve it. And you're a little bit embarrassed. They think you're maybe way better than you really are. And my, my wife just said, smile at him and say, thank you for saying that. <laughs> That's it. Moving I would have never thought that in a million years. But she said, just look at him and say, well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> and then they said, muscles, well, thank you for saying that. And after a while, they quit. And it's over. <laughs> and so that, just take and listen. I, I, my wife gave that to me. It works amazingly well. I'm giving that to you. Thank you. So when you people and they tell you how awesome you are, just say, thank you for saying that. And, and, and you get past it. Okay, that's a great tool. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yes. So far, so good? So far, so Perfect. good. Well, I, I, wanna, I want to finish with this one last question, Roy. And actually, it's almost, I'm also flipping it back, you know, back to you because I feel like there's a, there's probably so many questions I could ask you that would have taken you down a path to share a lot of really great information that I didn't. Um, but what is a question... I should have asked you that I didn't, that you'd want like our home services listeners to know. I mean, keep in mind, like there's, you know, we have HVAC plumbing, electrical garage, a little bit of mixture, you know, pest control. I mean, there's kind of a, but the vast majority are, you know, are in that service space. What is a question I should have asked you that I didn't? How do you recognize when someone is telling you the truth? Okay. Hey, how do you recognize when someone is telling you the truth? Because they will say something that only an honest person would say. Oh. They will tell you something that is not to their advantage. It doesn't benefit them anyway. It benefits you and it actually damages them. Now, you know, you're dealing with a person who's telling you the truth because it costs them to tell you that, but they wanted you to know the truth. And so they suffered. They risk not making the sale, they make themselves look less necessary, they make, make themselves look less important, and they, you know that they gave you something very valuable. And you also know, huh, I, I, this happened one time, there's a man named Percy Ross, he's been gone for a long, long time, this is about 35 years ago, and he wrote a newspaper column called Thanks a Million. And in Rob Report magazine, um, there was an author named something, Stephen Kaplan, and Stephen Kaplan, in this feature article, the cover had this old man sitting on a desk, literally stacked with bags of money, literally bags of money on the desk. And the headline says, why is Percy Ross giving away $21 million? Now, Chris, 35 years ago, $21 million was like saying a quarter billion today. It's like $250 million. Big bucks. I mean, $21 a million, I'm a millionaire 35 years ago was like, somebody with a hundred million dollars a day or 50 million, at least it was a much bigger thing. Got it. 
And so in paragraph 38 of this story, this guy started talking about, I've been, I've been working with three different advertising agencies and they, they, I've been trying to figure out how to make this into a, a radio or a television show and it's just not possible and the money's not there and blah, 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 blah. Now, this guy, he was literally giving away his money to people to write him letters and he'd publish the letters and he would answer the letters in this newspaper column it was in most papers, most newspapers in America, back when the whole world read the newspaper. So I just sent him a letter, one of over 2,000 letters every week that he gets. And I say, hey, listen, in paragraph 38, you said this and that, but give me a call, I'll tell you how to do it. This is not hard. I've been doing this a long time. And so about two weeks went by, phone rang. And they put me on the phone and he said, this is Percy Ross. And he talked for 20 minutes without me letting get one word in the story. That's I didn't get to impossible. respond. He just kept talking. And he was telling me all the stuff he had tried and all the stuff, all the roads he had gone down and blah, 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 blah. And he says, no, do you have anything left to say? I hadn't already tried. I said, yeah, I could have told you none of that would work. That's all stupid stuff. <laughs> Whoever told you all of that didn't know what they were doing. And he said, well, I said, listen, I'll tell you, if you'll just give me 10 minutes, I'll tell you how to do this. He goes, no, I'm going to send you a plane ticket and you fly down here and meet me. I said, sure. So he flew down to meet me. He picked me up at the airport personally. We're walking across the parking lot from the Minneapolis airport. That's where he lived, in, in southern, uh, southern part of the Twin Cities. And uh, Edina, it was the Edina Industrial Boulevard is where his office was. And we're walking across the parking lot. And um, I said, Mr. Ross, before, before I start telling, answering all your questions and telling you exactly how to do this, I need you to understand. We're walking along shoulder to shoulder, walking out to his car. And I said, I need you to understand that in about two hours, about two hours from right now, you're going to say to yourself, this is the most foolish and naive young man I have ever met in my life. Because I will have told you the final thing you need to understand so that you can do this completely on your own without any help from me. And you're going to say to yourself, he's so foolish and so naive, he gave me everything I needed to know, I no longer need him. And I said, I'm telling you this so that you will know I'm not foolish or naive. I said, I'm not looking at this as an opportunity. This is super easy to do. I'm just trying to help you understand how to do it. And uh, he didn't respond. And we're walking along, and I stopped, and he wasn't there. Because I was just walking forward. He was walking forward. I'm just talking. And I stopped and he wasn't there. And I turned around, he had stopped about 40 or 50 feet back. And I stood there and I looked at him. He was still standing there like 40 feet back behind me. And I went walking towards him, trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And he said, young man, because I, what I said was, if, this, if I thought this was the last opportunity I was ever gonna have to make money, I would protect it. But I said, I said amazing opportunities come by our path every hour of every day, more opportunities than we could take advantage of if we had 10 lifetimes to live. And I said, so I'm, I'm not thinking this is an opportunity I need to protect. There's just too many opportunities out there. And that was the thing that made him stop. Because when I turned around, he said to me, young man, I was 50 years old before I understood that. It literally startled him so hard that I just wanted to clear the air. I'm not here to sell you anything. I don't want your money. I'm here to help you do this thing you so deeply want to do. And people keep taking on this wild ride and taking all your money. And the crap they're telling you is the wrong way to do it. And we got him on over, I forget, it was like 400 and something thousand dollars worth of radio advertising we got every month for free 
because the radio stations would pay us in radio ads. They didn't have to give us money for this show. We would give them the show for free. They would sell a local sponsor for the show, right? And we were on in basically every market in America. And his dream came true, and it didn't cost us a penny. As a matter of fact, he had this vast amount of airtime that he could sell to anybody that wanted to buy it. And he could put them on the air nationwide with like $400,000 a day worth of advertising that he could sell and keep the money. So he could discount it um, 90% and still make like 40 grand a day. <laughs> and I told him how to do this. And I said, so I'll help you, but I don't want any of the money. This is not a business I want to be in. I just want you to do this. And this is going to be so easy for me. It's going to take no time at all. And this was back whenever I was 29 years old. Okay. So it was 35 years ago because I was 29 at the time. Cause I remember we moved from there from where I was at at the time. And uh, in the next little town where we landed, I had my 30th birthday. And so that's an example of when somebody tells you something that helps you, but it doesn't help them. Okay. You're talking to an honest person, keep that person in your life. And you tell people the truth every day, Chris, you help them in ways that don't make you any money. And you give and give and give and give, and you allow them to take and take and take and take, and you don't demand or even expect anything in return. And that's why people should listen to you and trust you. I thank you for that. I, uh, I believe that doing good is good business. I've said that over and over again. <clears throat> so I, I would, would have normally maybe finished with a, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? But I think I, I, think I know what your legacy is. Now you know. You already know. <laughs> thank you very much. I've had a wonderful time. Um, listen, I'm, I thank you, Sir Roy. I appreciate um, the time. I know that this is very unique, um, and I'm and I'm grateful that you gave it to me. And and, um, and just thank you. I, I appreciate that. Our hey, listeners should. You thank were you. here. We spent a day together. I feel like I know you, and that's that's the key that opens the door. Well, I appreciate you so much. All right, Roy. Hey, thank you so well, much. Time. All right, we'll see you. Bye. Take care. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. If you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.